0: This is the podcast of worship emanating from First Baptist Church of Madison, North Carolina. I am Dr. Chuck McGathy coming to you once again. This is the 126th time I've done one of these podcasts, and uh, we are now into our third season. Uh, And this happens to be the worship service for the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, which is uh, coming up on August 14th, 2022. So welcome to this. The title of this message today is Real Faith is Now Required. I am uh, hoping that as you listen to these podcasts that you'll be telling others about them. You may learn something. Uh, Sometimes sermons are designed to be more of a teaching opportunity, uh, always hopefully engaging your imagination as you imagine a better way to live and to express your life, to find greater degree of happiness and meaningfulness in life. So I hope this is what is happening for you as you listen to this. Of course, I want to remind you, if you'd like to help support this podcast, please uh, check out our website, www.firstbaptistchurchofmadison.weebly.com, and there you can make an online contribution. Of course, you can always mail your contributions in. We'll gladly receive them. The uh, website also includes our address, so not terribly worried about that, but I want to be sure and give you an opportunity if that is a way that you would like to express your support for the ministry that is taking place in a little place called Madison, North Carolina, uh, where we're trying really to be a healthy and positive church for the people that live here. Now let's go to our scripture lesson today. It begins in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. And then uh, I'm going to read the first verse and then I'm going to go down the chapter to the 29th verse and conclude uh, in actually the 12th chapter so hang with me I think it'll make sense now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen by faith The people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, disobedient, uh, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions. Quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection, others were tortured refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God has provided something better, so they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken His seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Last week, I took a little trip that had us spend the night in Charleston, West Virginia. I was impressed at how beautiful the city appeared, nestled in the mountains and the valley created by a lovely river. In some ways, it seemed rather ideal, but then again, I remembered that the beauty of such places is a two-edged sword. The towering mountains form a natural bowl, and in an unusually heavy rain, the water has nowhere to go but up. Similar locations in eastern Kentucky have been devastated this summer by changing weather patterns that are part of human-induced climate change that is troubling our planet. And those who dwell near beautiful rivers and creeks and the mountains must prepare for the moment their homes and very lives might be swept away by an unforgiving flood. Fear. Just imagine the fear of knowing that. Fear is brought about by knowing enough of the danger that constantly surrounds us, and fear is where we begin our adventure with the Bible this day. I believe that the key verse of the letter Of Hebrews is found in powerful words at the beginning of chapter 11. Hear them again as we learn how to face and overcome fear. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. Before I get too far along. Speaking of the singular verse, I need to say a preliminary word about this book or letter called Hebrews. It is unique in some interesting ways, and thinking about its character helps us understand it so much better. Hebrews has several unique characteristics that make it both mysterious and alluring at the same time. And I do not pretend to possess the definitive answer to the traditional inquiries, but I do think I have a plausible explanation that will make this exceptional book make greater sense. We do not actually know who wrote Hebrews or when it was composed or to whom it was directed. This is unusual in a New Testament letter. These usually begin by providing the author's name and including its audience. From that information, we are able to piece together a reasonable historical time period. If you look at Hebrews, though, you will see that there is no salutation. Instead, it begins with the message itself. This has caused some to speculate that it was no letter at all, but a copy of a sermon. Yet the letter of Hebrews ends just like a typical epistle. So what happened? Was there an introduction called a salutation that has been lost or intentionally omitted from the text? And if it was edited out, then why? It is possible to figure out the original audience, at least in a general sort of way. The title of the letter is our biggest clue, Hebrews. This is a book designed for Jews who had become believers in Jesus as the Christ. It becomes rather obvious even to the casual reader that this book was written to those steeped in Judaism. Christianity is, after all, a form of Judaism, So the author was appealing to a group of believers who, being Jews, had chosen to become followers of Rabbi Jesus. We also know something else about the audience. They were urban dwellers and they were under great persecution. Now we are starting to get a better idea of not only who they were, but also the time frame they might have gotten this letter. Let's review the facts. The original audience was a Jewish Christian church. Well, familiar with the Hebrew scriptures, they were city dwellers and they were under religious persecution. They also had to be a rather early Christian community because the rapid increase of Gentile believers into the churches would have made Hebrews a message with only limited appeal. For all of these reasons, most scholars now conclude that Hebrews must have been written to the Christian churches in Rome that were primarily composed of Jews that had come to believe in Jesus. We know of their existence through secular historical records. In 49 AD, the Roman Emperor Claudius expelled Jews from the city of Rome. The Roman historian Suetonius wrote on this. One passage in the biography of the Emperor Claudius refers to agitations in the Roman Jewish community and the expulsion of Jews from Rome by Claudius during his reign which may be the expulsion mentioned in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 18, verse 2, if you care to look it up. In this context, Cresto is mentioned. Some scholars see this as a likely reference to Jesus. The period of time that follows, and during the reign of the next emperor, a man we know as Nero, were difficult days for the Christians that remained in Rome. Knowing that brings us to a greater understanding of how life must have been for those early Jewish Christians struggling to survive under intense pressure. It must have been like looking at a river and then looking at the clouds and wondering when the flood would overwhelm them. So if that helps us understand the audience and the time, who was it who wrote it? Does it matter? No but it may be interesting to speculate a bit here. We know this too about the writing of Hebrews. It is excellent, not only in the content of what is said, but how. The Greek used in the composition of this letter is of the highest quality. I might draw a crude comparison. It would be like the English used in Downton Abbey compared to the language in a show like the Kardashians. So the author had to have been A Jewish believer, highly intelligent and articulate, and someone who had lived in Rome but was expelled by Claudius. Oh, and let's not forget the pesky detail that for some reason the attribution of the authorship was omitted, causing us to ask why. I am not the first to ask this, but it has occurred to me that perhaps, just perhaps, it was because the writer of this book of Scripture was a woman. And there was a woman who meets all the criteria who was also a leader in the early church. In fact, she is directly mentioned six times in the New Testament. Her name was Priscilla. Now that does not conclusively prove she wrote this letter, but it is certainly a plausible theory. In the passage read earlier in that great chapter on faith, she includes not only men, but women. And now we have a better idea of the context of this book. Let's consider fear and how faith, Faith in Christus changes everything. To grasp the importance of the kind of fear we experience, i think for a moment about how fear feels. So far I have mentioned the fear of flood and the fear of persecution, but you do not have to have those specific problems to know what fear is. We all fear. We are afraid of death, of loss, of pain, Fear drives us and drives us powerfully. Dictators use fear to get people to surrender their freedom in exchange for the promise of security. Fear keeps us awake at night. Fear can be over what has happened, what is happening, or what might possibly happen. Grief is a form of fear, so too is anxiety. And it seems like the longer we live, the more we know to be afraid. Fortunately, the longer we live, the more likely we are to realize that most of our fears can be handled with wisdom. We can think. We can reason. We can know that there will be resources to help us in our time of need. We can survive the flood. We can endure the persecution. We can overcome most things. Most things, but not all things. And that is right where this passage begins when we are at the end of our strength and our wisdom when our strength runs out and all hope seems lost there is this thing called faith in his free translation of hebrews j s still jones a professor of new testament at southern baptist seminary in 1955 took the last verse of chapter 10 and combined it with the first verse of chapter 11 The author of Hebrews writes, now we are not of the shrinking kind, headed for destruction, but of the faith kind, headed for the preservation of the soul. And faith is the essence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Commenting upon his translation, Dr. Jones adds, There can be no doubt that the author's main purpose is to show how faith enables us to live courageously. Faith is not a moral or intellectual abstraction, but an essence. By faith, future events become so certain that it is as though they had already taken place, as though the very substance of the future were in our hands now. It is necessary to interpret faith for what it is. Security forsaking obedience, faithfulness, hope. Could it be that what the church needs now is just that kind of faith? Do keep in mind that the churches to whom the letter of the Hebrews were originally addressed were even smaller than our church and were facing destruction every day. And to those, Priscilla or someone like her urged them to have faith, real faith. What is it like to have real faith? We choose faith as individuals and as a community of believers Here are a few observations about the nature of real faith. Real faith faces real problems. Faith does not stick its head in the sand just hoping things will improve. In order to go forward, it wants to know the truth, even if the truth is painful to bear. Real faith always seeks peace and justice. These go hand in hand. People of faith in Christ know this is only possible in Him, but it is possible. So we do not sacrifice one for the other, but embrace both ideals as followers of Jesus. Real faith. Accepts difficulties, even suffering, though unjust, as a path to shalom. I like that part of the famous serenity prayer that This world is blessed and in some ways unworthy of those who have real faith. My feelings about my friend Marsha McQueen are of deep loss. We were so very blessed to have her among us. I aspire to have the kind of faith our sister and pastor showed us all. Real faith. Real faith. How can I describe it any better than this? Real faith is courage, hard work, and taking action when it would be so much easier to quit. It is as the Hebrew prophet Habakkuk wrote, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So, what if we chose real faith? What if we chose to believe as individuals? What if we chose to believe as a? What if we choose to believe as a church? What if we hear the hope of Priscilla as she addressed the believers of her age? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What we need now, what we have always needed, is faith. What God has started, He will complete. Ours is a legacy of hope and faith and endurance because our God is powerful and persistent. His grace is yours. Faith is yours too. Just ask. Let us pray. Our God who was with our spiritual ancestors and is now with us, give us the kind of faith described in your book. Help us to not be afraid but to have courage. Work hard and believe that you will bring all things together. We trust you. We believe in you. In you we have real faith. Amen.